from VinePairs New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Trabal. And it's the Friday episode of the Vine Pair Podcast. And today we're talking about... Adam, you are ready to start your weekend, I can tell. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm super ready. I'm just like, let's go. <laughs> Three espresso shots deep, he's ready, folks. Mm-hmm. They only have two weeks left, right? It's like t- basically two weeks, two and a half weeks, and we're done. Mm-hmm. For like a little break. <laughs> Little break. I don't know what break you're anticipating, but sure, man. I mean, we're not turning off the site or anything. We're just going to like all work from home like we have been, but like trying to make it a little bit chiller. Mm-hmm. And, gotcha. you know, I'm ready, man. I got, you know, it's just like, it's been a lot. It's been a long year. You know how last year when it was New Year's Eve and we all thought that like COVID was over and we were like, yay, 2020 is done. And now it's like 2021. We're like, yay. Little did we know. Little did we know. Question. Anyone else watching The Great? No. Oh, my wife is, is. What is it called? Oh, The Great. No. Oh, it's a great show. <laughs> I don't understand it? how you people have time to watch TV shows. I guess you don't have children, and that explains I it. I mean, it's cool, man. That's, let me live my correct. life. We yeah, let me live children. my life. Um, you know, sorry for you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a great show. I just highly recommend it. It's all about Catherine the Great. Ah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but, like, obviously very much fictionalized. It says, like, the under the title undercard is, like, you know, a somewhat true story. Yeah. Um, but it's based on a play. It's really good. Mm. Um, highly recommend it. Anyways, I don't know why that made me think of it, but <laughs> do I, they I'm, do they drink a lot in that uh, show? Oh, all the time, and it's all about f- like there's a lot of food and Brandy? drink. And what do they drink? Just so that's what you know. It's sort of like it's weird in that obviously they're trying to somewhat have it based on you know historical facts, but then it's also modern mm-hmm. in terms of like the way they talk about food and the way they talk about wine. So, so they, they drink ob- white claw. No, they don't drink white claw, <laughs> but they drink, you know, they'll have cocktails. They'll have, mm-hmm. you know, high end burgundy champagne, lots of champagne, things like that. They well, that, truffle that, hunting. that champagne is definitely true to life. Yes. Or true to fact. <laughs> Come on, man. You gotta have a lot of champagne. If you're the, you know, the, em- the empress and, Right now, the emperor of Russia, but he about to go. Uh, y- 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 Spoiler warning. Y'all know what happened. Anyways, so uh, we're talking about alternative packaging today, not TV. So it's interesting. I think alternative packaging is one of these things that continues. It's had buzz basically since we started Vine Pair. Everyone's like, oh, alternative packaging. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be the future. Like Everyone's going to love about alternative packaging. And then, you know, it, everyone, it still has this weird bias, right, where people are like, well, if it's in a box or if it's in a a bag or a cart or a like, can. Yeah. Can. Is it cheap? Mm-hmm. Even though it continues to explode. So I don't know, like, you know, Zach, what is your opinion? Like, would you drink mm. box wine? I, so here's where I, uh, do not practice what I preach. Um, <laughs> I mean, no is exactly. the answer to that, but, but more because I own a lot of wine in bottles already. Um, sure. That's and, why. <laughs> <laughs> and, I think that, you know, in preparing for this episode, I was thinking about this a lot and, and I have a, a central thesis that I would love to get both of your thoughts on. And and it's, it's basically this, that one of the things that has been an obstacle to alternative packaging, in addition to what you express, which is just the sort of general sense that like the wine that goes in is cheap and therefore can't be good, is that there has long been this sort of obsession in some wine circles with this idea of wine being a changing liquid, wine being variable, that, you know, the bottle variation, even if it can be annoying, is also something to sort of cherish about wine, and that these alternative packaging methods largely do away with that, that you are getting something that is, you know, sealed away, usually in a sort of oxygen-free environment to, to keep it shelf-stable, to keep it preserved, and therefore isn't going to, to change in that vessel over any period of time that we care to consume it. 
And that, I think, is actually something that both explains why a certain set of the wine drinking public and, and professionals have turned their nose up at it. But also, I think, goes a long way to explaining why it's so popular, because it's in, incredibly predictable. And I think all of us have had an experience, I'm sure, of opening a bottle of wine and just being like, Ugh, whether it's corked, whether it's turned, whether it's just not as good as we remember. And these alternative packagings, in addition to their many other benefits, like Mm -hmm. that they're lighter, they're much more um, environmentally friendly in terms of both the material and how they're shipped around the world, Mm -hmm. but also they're just way more predictable. And for so many people who drink, that predictability is a huge selling point and something that I don't think I've given enough credence to in thinking about this in the past. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point i think that we talked about this like with bulk wine and things like that for for fine wine people i think there's a certain expectation and you know you have a collection and things like that and you expect it to be in heavy glass bottles Mm -hmm. um but i think there's a huge portion of the wine drinking uh, or wine consumers that enjoy that consistency that you're talking about zach yeah they love the consistency and Mm. they you know they drink wine in a way that is, you know, sort of maybe different than the fine wine public and that the fine wine public thinks about food pairings and, you know, baller bottles and whatever this is. And this is a consumer that just like likes wine, right? right? And wants to have a glass of wine at the end of, you know, at the end of work and wants to have another glass of wine while watching TV. And I think in a lot of those regards, like alternative packaging is very good for that, Mm -hmm. right? That you can sort of have a, a wine that is really consistent, that you enjoy, that you can drink, you know, at different times throughout, you know, the week, uh, and not worry about it. I think also what alternative packaging, especially box does that has always been something that I've been shocked. and hasn't, you know, exploded here for is it allows people who may be single, you know, or may have a, a partner that doesn't drink or mm-hmm. doesn't enjoy wine, et cetera, to also have a really delicious glass of wine throughout the week without having to feel like they're wasting a bottle or mm-hmm. that the bottle will go bad, et cetera. And that's, you know, that's something that, is really great about boxed wine. Um, you know, what also is really great about it is its ability to be a consistent form of wine for people who like wine at bars and at concerts and things like that, that yep. you don't have right now. Like I can't tell you how many dive bars I've gone to where I've seen someone order wine. I've seen like the bottle, like with the cork, like halfway out on the back bar and you know, it's like kind of warm and like whatever. And you're just like, Oh, that's going to be a bad experience. Whereas if it was in a box, you know, that wine would be almost like the bottle had just been opened. And, you know, especially given the amount of really quality wine that's going into boxes nowadays, you know, there's, it's just something that I think we as a public have to start becoming more comfortable with. Mm-hmm. The problem is like, how do we get everyone over that hump? Like, how do we start explaining to like the general consumer? Hey, like, Box wine's really good, you know, mm-hmm. like wine, there's wines in can that are really good. I think canned wine is coming a lot further right now yes. than box wine, for sure. And, and that's what I was going to say is like what we've seen in canned wine over the last few years with a variety of different brands um, is that people are really putting higher quality wine into cans. I think you're, they're getting response. They're getting placements in some of those uh, locations that you described, not just dive bars, but, you know, hotel, mini bars, all these kinds of places where people might want qual- a certain level of quality, but a full mm-hmm. 750 bottle with a cork in it doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. 
But it's true that that cans, I think for two reasons, have had an easier time. One is that like a can, as we've seen with craft beer for years, can be a visually striking vessel for a liquid, even if it's not a traditional one for wine. And so you can do all kinds of cool graphic design. I mean, I, you know, I know you interviewed um, one of the founders of Nomadica. Nomadica, Their cans are awesome. And the wine inside is quite good as well. But even people who haven't gone quite to that extent, you know, the the cans can be striking. Mm -hmm. A bag and box, no one has gone that route yet at least that i've seen i mean it's a it's an opportunity it's a big canvas you could do something cool with it that would stand out at a grocery store or even in a wine shop i think the other part of it is is like you know the size of a bag and box is always going to be a little bit of a challenge for certain people because as much as i get what you are saying adam about you know it's a great thing for someone even for a couple frankly who drink but don't necessarily want to feel like they're going to they want to have a glass at a time you know that second night of of a wine cannot can sometimes be not as good depending on the wine itself the problem with the bag and box, unless you're buying a few of them, is that you are kind of committing yourself to drinking the same wine, um, you know, 30, over and over again. And for some people, it. yeah, and for some people, that's a huge selling point. They know what they like and they want to yeah. have it. Other people, though, might want to be every night a week of the week a different drink, a different wine, a different cocktail, etc. Maybe more than one. And and there, the problem of the size, uh, you know, they're usually at least three liters of wine. That's a lot of that's, you know, four bottles of wine, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 thing that I'm going to will be tasting a little bit. Mine is five liters. I have no idea what I'm going to do with five liters of it. Um, but the point is, like, it's a big. Commitment. Oh, we're going to talk if, about that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, but that is, I think, a challenge that, that the bag and box in particular faces, which is just like the volume of liquid is high. And so someone has to really want to drink all of that. And and that may just be a challenge that, that they have a harder time, you know, getting through than cans. Mm hmm. I don't know. I think for the bag and box, the opportunity lies with, you know, parties with. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of us had our first experiences with a bag and box, right? It's at some sort of party. Did you play slap the bag? (laughs) Maybe you played slap the bag. (laughs) And so. You definitely played it, didn't you, Joanna? the last time. Joanna, you played it. One and and only time that I've (laughs) ever had a specific brand of boxed wine was. Slap the bag? Yeah. Slapping the bag at some sort of ultimate frisbee party. Wait, did you play ultimate frisbee? I played ultimate frisbee. This is so good to learn. (laughs) Anyway, they were like, you gotta slap the bag. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) What? You're like... Don't we, are do we it. Just like why are we slapping the bag? It doesn't break. That's yeah. the whole point. That's what I think of it. It's so crazy. That stupid game. Yeah. It never broke. No one has ever been to a party where the bag broke. Is that the point? Yeah, you're supposed to like be slapping it to see if you can burst oh. the bladder. Oh, that's so stupid. Yeah. Like what else? Why else are we doing? And then it's like it's like yeah. yeah. It's a very funny well, game. Well, like so I think there is a huge opportunity out there for boxed wine but i think it has a really steep hill to climb to get there and we'll discuss why we think it has a steep hill in a second but i do wonder if uh (laughs) if actually the way for box wine is some of these cans Mm -hmm. like nomadica to then go into box large format right yeah so you've already gotten to know the brand Mm -hmm. like i'm very surprised that underwood hasn't done that it was like Mm -hmm. one of the first big brands and then instead of going from can to box they went from can to, to bottle, bottle right and yeah. i get why they did that because again it's all of the baggage we're saying exists mm-hmm. for what like for a different kind of wine consumer but for the people who love their cans i can't imagine those people wouldn't have been like yeah let's like you know three liter box whatever let's do it right. you know this is delicious now that being said we're saying all of these things about their being biased and yet the wine we're about to try 
is one of the most successful wine brands in America. So there's a lot of people that don't have a bias, and that's Franzia. Yeah. <laughs> um, the most popular domestic wine in the, in the United States, yeah. It's crazy. And what I think is really interesting is that this is the brand that is not only the most popular, but also responsible for the biases that most people in America have about bag and box. Mm -hmm. Like it is Franzi. It's no other brand, right? There's a lot of other really, there's, there's brands coming out of a lot of other wineries that are amazing, but Franzia has create is, is who has created the, the bias. Um, whether you love it or not. And that is the brand I would assume you played Slap the Bag with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm guessing it was out of the box. So <laughs> It had to have been. It had to have been. Um, so I don't know. Like, when is the last time either of you have had Franzia? This one party. <laughs> this one party. <laughs> what about, wait, what'd you say, Zach? I'm pretty sure the last time I had Franzia, I was still in high school. So it's mm-hmm. been 20 years. Yeah, I think same. Maybe I had it. I definitely remember like stealing a glass. Like, see, this is what was amazing about Franzia. I remember having a glass of it or a few glasses of it at a friend's house. Like, we had a party. Like, my, my parents will never know it's in a box. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we took some wine. Like, I'm like, well, wouldn't they tell us later? Like, eh, well, who cares? Yeah. You know, so that's, I think, the first time I had it. And then I definitely had it at a slap the bag party in college mm-hmm. where I was like, again, like, why are we doing this? Like, why are we slapping a bag? Yeah. But you did it. What, what box do you have, Zach? I have the refreshing white. Um, <laughs> no more information given than that, um, which is, you know, probably leans into <laughs> what we would expect from from the brand. I also want to just shout out a thing here that, that appeals to me, which is that Franzi is owned by a company called The Wine Group, which, wine is, group. <laughs> a, which is appropriately nondescript for <laughs> what is quite honestly some nondescript wine, just in terms of like figuring out what goes into it. Yeah, we have the Chablis. Mm-hmm. It is definitely Ooh. not Chablis. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it does not you it does not come from a, a small commune in france you're no the, the, this is definitely like again a wine brand that's being able to get grandfathered in before you know yeah. before there were all of the trade agreements that we would not have our wines named after you know protected areas in europe and so that's how they get away with it um ours is also I was, while you were guys were talking i was like looking i was like so what what is in this Chablis? And there is no information. I have no idea what grapes went into this. It could literally be anything. Yeah. It could like literally be anything. Well, and I think a question to ask here before we taste is how, so, I mean, I just went to my local, one of my local grocery stores and grabbed the first box that was stand, that was standing there. How consistent do you think that the, whatever goes into it is from, I mean, obviously it's not a vintage wine, but just like if I go, if I went back in a year and bought, the a new box which presumably was not hasn't been sitting there for a full year do you think like the blend that goes into it is meaningfully different or do you think it's pretty consistent i think it's insanely consistent i think this thing is fucking engineered well yeah that's a good point too i guess i hadn't thought about that wasn't necessarily talking about additives but just in terms of the base wine that goes into it i think it could be just about anything i assume they're just you know whatever they're finding you know either i mean yeah totally if the wine group owns any vineyards i assume kind of probably not but like whatever (laughs) whatever is at the, at the price point they need it to be. Cause to be fair, this, these five liters of wine cost me $16. So, you know, you're, you're obviously the price you're paying is, um, yours was 16. Ours oh. was 20 99. Well, you know, New York prices, baby. Yeah. <laughs> $4 more. Um, okay. So, uh, let's, I think we got to try it. Try I've been this. staring at it long enough. Mine is, mine is to point out also is, almost indistinguishable from the water that's in the next, the glass next to it. Like visually, um, there is like no color to this wine. So that's an interesting note. Mine has like, it's not a wine aroma. It's got, I've got some perfume here. 
Yeah, but I can't tell you what it is for the Chablis. Yeah. Keith is here too. He's tasting with us. Mine smells and tastes like canned pears. Oh. Interesting. It's not unpleasant. It's just kind of like if you took the syrup that was in canned pears and fermented it, I'm guessing this is kind of what you would get. <laughs> this uh, is quite sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. What tip one typically associates with Chablis, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Chablis and sweetness. Sweetness. Yeah. What do you think, Keith? Keith, what do you think? I'm mute, man. <laughs> when was the last time you had Franzia? Shit. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I actually don't have a memory of drinking Franzia. I mean, I drank a ton of wine in the nineties illegally. So I'm sure that Franzia was part of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't think it's terrible. I think it's just a, it's just a homogenous amalgamated bulk wine. I, I probably, I smell there's some Riesling in there. There's probably yeah, some like Gewürztraminer. There's probably some Chardonnay. There's probably some Uni Blanc. There's probably some just field blends that Fred buys. Fred buys anything in bulk. He mm-hmm. goes and looks for um, bankrupt vineyards and wineries and buys the bulk from the bankrupt. And he, that's how he, that's how he makes his wine. Um, how it, you know, this is, that's what this wine is for consistency. This wine is yeah. not for to to sit and contemplate and talk. You know, this is this. It's called Chablis. You know, and it's. And I think it's funny because like people in America know how to pronounce Chablis because of Franzia. Yeah, that's crazy. Which is really, is really really interesting. So I don't know. I think it's, I mean like you know this is a very cheap, very bulky, high production. No complexity, easy mm-hmm. drinking, lean, sort of sweet wine with a bitter finish. Mm-hmm. And it's totally fine. Yeah. Like you, you get why it's the most popular wine. I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are Americans. We like, we have a sweet tooth. We've had a sweet tooth since after prohibition. I mean, we, the, 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 the Gallo brothers made sweet red wine that went to Al Capone in mm-hmm. Chicago and New York and stuff like that. And so in the speakeasies, we drank cheap sweet red wine if we even drank wine so this is basically americans america's palate Palette. right here in mm-hmm. a glass yeah. you know i mean we are a country like we're a young country and we also have a generation that grew up on this so like if you grew up on this this is what you drank mm-hmm. you know yeah. i mean my mom did the bills and drank a bottle of woodbridge that's what she did. Did she think Woodbridge was like? Did the bills? Did the bills? Do the bills. Mom's doing the bills. <laughs> popping the <laughs> popping the Woodbridge. <laughs> Woodbridge. But like you know, she wasn't in it for the wine. She wasn't in it for like the she complexity of, 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 of Woodbridge. One. She was in it to 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 numb the bills. To do the bills. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's what this wine's for. Like, you know, I, I'm not saying it's it's a, you know, it's not like oh my gosh, this wine, guys, this wine's really good. Mm-hmm. It's not that. It's just like okay. You get it. It's you get Franzia. It, yeah. it's fr- I, w- I would play slap the bag and just, I've never played slap the bag. Yeah, I know you haven't. Oh, oh, well, well, you guys, I never really college. College. You guys have to do it stop recording. <laughs> oh, How do you guys do college? What is it like? <laughs> you slap the bag. Okay. I would have tried to broken the bag, broken the bag. Yeah, you would have. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it would have hurt so bad. Yeah. Zach, uh, Zach, how's your refreshing white? Oh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fine. I, I, I kind of, I don't totally disagree with Keith's characterization. Although I think one thing I would say is that it's definitely the style of wine that was once popular in the United States. I mean, I think it is, and obviously remains 
popular in terms of sales, but I think a lot of that is because there are, there are these brands that still exist that meet the demand that it, that is still there for this style of wine, both in terms of its sort of consistency, its sort of innocuousness, its price point. Let's be clear. Like part of the reason why they sell so much Franzi is it's so inexpensive. Mm-hmm. It's not going to, you're not going to compete against that price point. If you're putting wine in a bottle, let alone trying to make it from a varieties that people recognize or from a place people have heard of. Yeah. And so that's, that's just the reality of it. I do want to come back to something we we're talking about before though, which is like this conversation about whether bag and box in particular, I think has a, a future with better wine, um, mm-hmm. you know, more kind of wine of place in some sense than this. And I do wonder, you know, is it, you know, when I was shopping for this, when I was at the grocery store, you know, you see a, a, a range of wines in bag and box that maybe top out. There were a couple of things that were like $25, mm-hmm. um, you know, some Southern French rosé and, you know, it's a little more recognizable and, and, you know, $25 for three liters or five liters is not like a lot of money, obviously. But I just wonder like, would someone bulk at, even if they were kind of willing to spend the money, like, would they be like $60 for a three liter bag and box, which is about where you kind of have to start if you're making something that's, you know, quality, that's still only $15 a bottle equivalent. So it's not like it's going to be super premium wine. You're not going to be buying, you know, classified growth Bordeaux bag and box, I don't think anytime soon. But I do think that like, there is a lot of wine that's that's put out there that's bottled that could very well fit in this format. But it's obstacle might just be that like, it's going to be sitting there next to the Franzia and for it's going to suffer by that association, even if it is very clearly differently priced. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on where, right? So I think you have a good point when it's in the, if, if we're talking about grocery store, like I, I definitely mm-hmm. think you have a good point. Like they're going to, you're going to get marketed where you get marketed. And in the grocery store, you're going to get put in this section with all the other bag and box, box wine. wines. Yeah. And you are going to be, why are you going to be the 50 or $60 bo- bag and box against the, the sixteen ninety nine was yours. 20 was ours in specialty wine stores around the country. I think it's a very different story because they're not stocking those bag and boxes mm-hmm. and That's they true. are trying to stock, you know, the wine berries of the world and things like that, that are trying to do the higher end bag and box. And there, I think you have a really good shop because you also yeah. have the ability for the, the wine merchant to hand sell and explain, Hey, these five liters are actually the value at the value of a $20 bottle of wine, but you're able to get this for a reduced price because you're buying it without all the packaging and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Yeah. And then I think the savvy consumer who's already shopping at that kind of wine store will buy it. Does that mean you will ever be as big as Franzia? Fuck no, you won't. <laughs> no. Like that's, that's, you know, if, if you have, a, if you're listening to this podcast and you have a, uh, a, a dream to be as big as Franzia and you have a, a deck out to a bunch of investors right now, and you're saying that you're going to do that but with premium wine, you should just put the deck away because you won't. <laughs> Delete that file because that's a very different. It's a very different market you're going to be competing in. Mm -hmm. But if you, you know, if you're talking to investors about creating a premium box wine brand, you know that will have a a decent return. Like that's a very different idea. Mm -hmm. That's it's always always going to be that way too. Yeah, totally. If you're out there making interesting wine that you put in alternative packaging, let us know. I would love to try some. I'd love to hear about it. Totally. It's it's always exciting to see what people are willing to do to push the boundaries because you know wine has been a very static industry in a lot of ways, not just in terms of, you know, format, but also in terms of sometimes what goes into the bottle or the, the can or the box or whatever. And mm-hmm. so it's always fun to see people kind of willing to take chances. Well, we're, we're about to uh, jump into this like next week. I think we're jumping into a big old box wine tasting. So it'll be fun. Jumping in. Oh. 
Yeah, it's like jumping into a big pool, slapping bags. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I, I do not need that visual. <laughs> well, just you know what, guys? Just think about it, and uh, I'll talk to you both on Tuesday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.